On today's show, former heavyweight boxer Peter McNeely. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Sunday Night Army podcast. I'm your host, Jacob, and I have a fantastic episode for everybody today. And it's going to be a really long episode, very informative. I hope you guys enjoy it because today's guest, Hurricane Peter McNeely, is a former heavyweight boxer. Uh, He fought Mike Tyson. He fought Butterbean. Um, A lot of cool stories on today's show. And... And he gets into a lot of detail on how he started, about his career, about how he grew up in boxing, how he uh, how he was late to training in the sport. But his professional record is forty seven and seven. He was pretty cool um, between uh, ninety one and two thousand one, where his career lasted. So, um, very interesting interview. Uh, I learned a lot. And it's nice to have uh, these stories um, that just the boxing world um, you don't always get into because it's just not you know just stuff you see on TV. It's the behind the scenes. It's how you um, grow up. It's how you train. It's uh, how the road is. It's a lot of really good stories, and I really love that part of the interview. It was, it was fantastic, and Peter's fantastic. Mind you, we were both, uh, while recording this, we were both, um, I, I had my out, outside studio. He was uh, by the pool uh, down there uh, in uh, Boston, and I was by the pool here up in Canada because it was a beautiful day, and we were both enjoying it, uh, our days, so we had a cool interview, and it's a really long one. Uh, we had a good time, so you'll hear a lot of background noise, uh, people screaming, and enjoying their time, and that was just a good way of chatting with someone uh, when they're in a relaxed environment, and it worked out really good. Uh, it was a really, really cool interview. Hope you guys enjoy it. Now, of course, uh, follow me on all social media. Just look for the Sunday Night Army at the Sunday Night Army and on all streaming platforms. Don't forget, if you want to support the show, find the link tree, link in bio, and get yourself to the merchandise store grab a t-shirt or whatever else you want phone case or buy me a coffee either one of those uh works for me and for peter of course uh we'll get to that where he uh has an instagram channel obviously tagged underneath the show posts on all social media so enjoy that and uh let's get to the interview so right now on the sunday army i have a special guest former heavyweight boxer hurricane peter mcneely how are you today Thank you very much. Well, it's a beautiful day here, Peter, and I know you're uh, enjoying your 100-degree weather out in uh, Boston. I sure am. Lovely, lovely. So am I. But uh, thank you for coming on the show, and I'm very happy that you're uh, joining me today because I haven't really uh, dug into all the boxing I used to watch for a very, very long time, and doing all the research and rewatching all the videos of things I used to watch really brought back a lot of memories. So I really thank you for that. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, today is the 12th. So 
uh, in eight days, August 19th, will, will be 26 years since I fought Mike Tyson. That's correct. That's correct. And, and everyone I talk to remembers uh, that fight uh, that you're in for many, many reasons. And I do want to get into it uh, today. But first, I want to know a little bit more about you. And if you can tell me a little bit, how was it growing up with in a boxing family and how your father, who was also a heavyweight uh, boxer, how it influenced you when you were younger? Okay. So, you know, when I was about 10 years old, I crawled up in the attic and I didn't really know at that time, you know, either eight or 10 years old, I wasn't really sure what was going on. <laughs> but I was in the attic and, and I found my father in the cover of Sports Illustrated and Ring Magazine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, back in those days, you know, I mean, we're talking late 70s. And, you know, in those days, Sports Illustrated was like the only sports magazine around. Yes. Um, and, and Ring Magazine had been a, you know, boxing, boxing magazine was also legendary. Mm-hmm. Um, sadly, you know, in newspaper articles and trophies, I found, and I discovered all this stuff, you know, my father's, and and came to find out that now, unfortunately, my 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 grandfather, my father's father, Tom McNeely Senior, passed away like a year and a half before I was born, so I never knew the man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, hearing stories from my father and my relatives um, that that my 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 grandfather Tom McNeely Senior fought on one of the you know it was a, a preliminary fight, but he fought on the first event at the old Boston Garden. Oh wow. And, you know, it was just a, like a four or six round preliminary fight. But it was a championship fight between Andre Rudis and Honey Boy Finnegan. Oh, wow. But, no, but of course, then, so I, when I was discovering and, you know, finding out about my father, um, I just couldn't get boxing out of my head. But, you know, in, uh, out in Medfield, um, where, where was I going to box? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, you know, also, unfortunately, in 1980, my, my mom and dad split up. Mm-hmm. And, and my father moved closer to Boston. It was only like a 15-minute ride from Medfield. And it was called Newton, Newton, Massachusetts. And that was my father. You know, my, my mother 
uh, remarried, my father remarried. You know, it, it was, a, you know, everything was you know, a happy family. Mm-hmm. Happy extended family. And, but when I was a kid, one of the first times boxing was at a CYO, like myself, my little brother, Snubby, we would go visit my father on the weekends. And, and in Newton was a legendary old uh, fighter by the name of Joe Danucci. And Joe Danucci was a middleweight contender. And he fought, you know, real tough guys, and a couple former world champions. He fought, fought Emil Griffith in two wars at the Boston Garden. Um, and anybody who knows boxing history knows who Emil Griffith is mm-hmm. and what. Emil Griffith was a, hey, oh, I'm sorry. Anyways, <laughs> so my, my, my little brother, my stepbrother David and myself <clears throat> boxed at this CYO program. <clears throat> Excuse me, with my father and Joe DiRucci. <clears throat> and you couldn't get better coaches than Joe and my father. And from, oh, but for whatever reason, the uh, CYO program got shut down two years later. And, and so then, you know, I got older and, and, and I was, you know, in Medfield. And I, I have two older brothers, and then my little brother Snubby, and and all four boys played five years of high school football, oh, meaning wow. the eighth and eighth and ninth grade on the freshman team, <clears throat> and and tenth, eleventh, twelfth grade with the varsity team. And um, so, you know, but I never lost the feeling for boxing. And I I was a fan watching all the big fights on TV. Back when, you know, Saturday Saturday afternoon on NBC Mm -hmm. and and CBS, Channel 7, Wide World of Sports. And I used to watch the fights with my mother's father, my my grandfather that I knew and loved for many years. And um, you know, so that but but it wasn't till I got to college, um, my freshman year in college, I play I tried to play rugby. And I, and I rolled my ankle after like two or three weeks. And then, so then, in the, that was in the fall of 86. Then in the spring of 87, I tried to play uh, lacrosse. And, and I had, had also, I had had a lacrosse racket at home when I was young and 
and, and, and we played in midfield, you know, in the summers at the football field of Medfield High School. <clears throat> so I started to play in 87 for Bridgewater's team, and I rolled the ankle again. Mm. So um, that summer I went home and I worked. I saved money. I got a car and Bridgewater State College is in Bridgewater, Massachusetts. And it was right next to Brockton, the city of champions, home of Rocky Marciano and marvelous Marvin Hagler. So I walked into the Petronelli gym in uh, September of 87. And um, um, I only had 21 amateur fights. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, the Petronelli brothers in early 1990, I'm sorry, early 1991, they split up the family feud. And, and it was a it was a war up there every night. There was no no um, no knowledge. Nobody cared about head trauma and CTE. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was a war up there every night. And I mean, like I I was I I only had a handful of amateur fights, and I'd be sparring in the ring every night with professionals mm -hmm. and good ones. But this one guy, he knew my father. He was really, he was a high, he was a high, high grade amateur who had had over a hundred amateur fights. And this guy, <clears throat> he fought Tyson early. Um, in, in Boston in an amateur fight. And this guy's name was Kilbert Pierce Jr. And Kilbert fought Tyson. Tyson knocked him down early in the fight. And in only, in only three rounds, if you get knocked down, you, you lose. You lose the fight. Mm -hmm. But Kilbert fought back so good he only lost by split decision. Oh, wow. So that tells you he fought back. Mm -hmm. And Kilbert also made it to the finals of the Olympic trials against Riddick Bowe. Mm -hmm. and, and many say that Kilbert beat him, but that it was political and that they wanted Bowe to go to the uh, Olympics and, you know, such is life. People think the amateurs is not dirty because it's not professional boxing, but let me tell you, it is. It's, it's you know, it's, and you know what, God bless, you know, but, but Kilbert, um, I sparred dozens of rounds with him. <clears throat> I sparred thousands of rounds with a guy named Drake 
Sadzi from Malawi, Africa. And this guy was a light heavyweight, but he could punch like a ton of bricks. And he beat James Tony. Hmm. I, mean, I mean, this is just telling you yeah. the Kelly fighters. I was sparring with every night. That's and, crazy. Uh, that that that's that's professional boxing. That's heavyweights. That's how you have to do it to get where you want to go. That's how you do it. No, that's true. You you go out there and you go after the biggest, toughest guys, right? Especially, especially when I got a late start. Like when you don't win your first average fight till you're 19 years old, that's a late start. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you're you're known for a, a lot of a lot of different fights. Uh, we'll talk about your professional record in a minute, but let's let's start with Mike Tyson because we've heard of his name out here a few times. Now, <laughs> now, if if, so, if nobody's heard of Mike Tyson, I can't help you. You should not be listening. We all know who Mike Tyson is. Two now, time, wait, right. <laughs> what I thought of. He was a former undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. That's and right. Only had one loss to Buster Douglas, and and so after our fight was long after he retook a couple of the belts. Mm-hmm. That's right. Now you know he's one of the best of all time, pound pound for pound. And I watched your fight uh, with him. A few times. Um, what can you? I want to know about what you're feeling in the atmosphere before the actual fight. What were you thinking? What were you feeling? What was the atmosphere like? Well, I I tell you this. I sit now. Mike had just gotten out of prison, mm-hmm. so so he he you know they had to give him. To, so we signed the contract. First week of May, '95, but but we ended up uh, we ended up um, you know like you know it's he had to train he 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 had to reacclimate back into society you know after three and a half years in prison mm-hmm. he had reacclimate and he had to train. So from first week of May to August 19th gave him that time. And, right. and Mike um, did not have the tools in prison to, you know, my father worked in Department of Corrections, the, the Massachusetts State Prison System for for years, for over 30 years. And I can remember it like it was yesterday. Um, all the the prisons in the USA got rid of boxing um, because of, you know, they were like, well, why should we let these convicts fight and learn how to and learn how to mm-hmm. beat them, so you know, beat up the, the guards. So I, I understood, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But uh, thank God, in, in spring of, of 1991, I came out of the Petrelli. Now, by this time, the Petrelli brothers had split up um, family feud and things got you know, a little um, strange up there. And one brother was running the gym of the day, the other one was running the gym at night. People were choosing sides. And I, I sparred countless rounds with uh, Robert Hagler's brother, Rockin' Robbie Sims. Um, so, you know, and at this time, I was 195 pounds. So I, I, I was able to spar middleweights, light heavyweights, heavyweights. And, you know, and again, starting so late, I had to get experience. So I met, I came out of the gym one day and a guy approached me and his name was Vinnie Reggion. And he said, hey, listen, uh, um, I know your father. I know your uncle Brian. I played football with your, your, your uncle Brian. And th this was all facts. Vinnie had been out of the fight game for 10 years. And one of, his, one of his former professional fighters made a comeback after 16 years out of the game. Oh, wow. So it was Paul Poirier. And, and I have pictures, you know, you see pictures on my Facebook or my Instagram. Of, I, have, I have one, I think it's, I'm almost positive, it's on Instagram. It was a picture of, uh, it was a picture of myself. On my right was my father, me, Vinny, and Paul Poirier. And it was after my first fight and win at Foxwoods Casino in Connecticut. And and I, you know, I joke with people. It's not a joke, but. In the picture of, of, the, of the four of us, I'm the only one still alive. Oh, wow. My father passed away uh, 10 years ago. Um, um, Vinny passed away in OE, and Paul Poria passed away not long after. Um, I'm going to say Paul passed away in. 2015, uh, but both Vinnie and Paul Poria had massive heart attacks. Uh -huh. They both died in their sleep. Oh, wow. Um, that's how I, hey, if and when I die, that's how I hope to go. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into uh, your fight with Mike. Uh, tell me what, you, what was going through your head in the sitting in the back in the arena waiting uh, waiting for it. Were you prepared enough? Well, now people don't know this. I was thirty six of one going in, but so that's thirty seven pro fights. And you know, Vinny said, "Look, you're not getting any younger." Um, and we got we to gotta do this. 
I mean, Vinny was an old school fight guy. <clears throat> he was a promoter, manager, trainer. He did the all three. And he did them good. He knew the game inside and out. So when myself and him went to uh, Vegas first week of May, um, there were more reporters at that press conference than there were most of my fights to that time. Um, and, and the press came right at me. You know, Mike came in said a couple words of the, the uh, podium and then he he took off so they all jumped on me and i said it from that day i said i'm going right at him and 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 then as you saw mm -hmm. that i went right at him yep that's right you did now. Would you, knowing what you uh, know uh, now, would you change your strategy if you were to go back and do that? I will say no, because I don't believe in what ifs. What? What if this? What if that? Mm -hmm. That's a. I'm a realist. That's not the way it happened. I'm oh, a that, realist. That's yeah, true. One way, and that's the way it happens. Mm -hmm. and, and I have to live with that. Now, uh, I want to ask you about the, the fight stoppage. There was a little bit of controversy, or maybe there wasn't. I want you to explain to me, um, uh, because you just looked at like you just wanted to go, go at it even after the stoppage. What can you tell me uh, what happened there? Well, um, now, now, Mike Tyson's best punch is what? The uppercut. Mm -hmm. and if you don't believe that, ask Buster Douglas. <laughs> Tyson had Douglas down in the eighth round from a vicious uppercut. I mean, the, the list goes on and on right. of, guy, of guys that he fought that were victims of his uppercut. Um, um, and, and you know what? At the time, um, you know, Vinny explained it to me a couple, a couple days later. He let me, you know, come back. You know, we flew home, uh, you know, the next day after the fight, I mean, we had been in Vegas for a month before the fight. So it was time to go home. And um, there were press conferences in my driveway for months leading up to it. And, and again, a couple of days afterwards. But, and Vinny said, Peter, you know, you know relax. And, 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 and come back, come back to the gym and we'll talk. I said, yeah, no problem, Vinny. And he, he said things to me that made sense. He said, now he said, Peter, you were hurt. You got up 
Now, I was taking the count from Mills Lane, Judge Mills, and but like Vinny said it best, he said, it, it's better that you, the fight ended and you when you were on your feet than if you're face down in the canvas. Because mm-hmm. when you're hurt, Mike Tyson's on you like a shark. I mean, you know, let's be honest. You know, he knows you're hurt. He's, you're his prey. He's coming after you. And a lot of, and, and you know what? A lot of guys did not get up when Mike knocked them down. That's true. Um, all right, let's take one man, for instance, who was, who was a great, great champion, a great light heavyweight champion. I used to watch his fights all the time. And then he moved up to heavyweight and he did great too. Um, Michael Swiggs. Michael Spinks. Well, in 1989, when uh, Michael Spinks and Mike Tyson fought, Mike seemed like he wanted no part of Mike at all. Would you agree? I have not watched that fight yet, unfortunately. A little bit before my time watching that one. I understand. It's on YouTube. It's mm-hmm. all over YouTube. Check it out. You I tell me. And the man was a great light heavyweight champion. And then and he beat Larry Holmes two fights in a row. And, and, you know, he was a good, good fighter. Um, you know, and heavyweight, and heavyweight champion. Now, I have a question from a friend of mine who's a source for everything boxing that I go to. He, he, <laughs> he knows he knows everything. He's my uh, dictionary and everything for boxing. He does a blog. He does a podcast. He does everything. So he has he had two questions he wanted me to uh, pass uh, to you for, uh, for some uh, interesting ideas here. Now, first question that he has is... You had also a chance to fight Butterbean. How did his power compare to Mike Tyson? Mike, uh, Butterbean, see, now, uh, we had had a, we, I had a promotional contract. Vinny and myself had a promotional contract with Don King 14, 14 months before Mike Tyson got out of, uh, got out of prison. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, you know, when, when we signed a contract with Don, we knew something was going to happen. You know, something good was going to happen. Now, and people don't understand this. To get to the Tyson fight, I had 37 pro fights in 44 months. Right. Figure that out. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. But again, old school, that's, that's what we had to do. Now, back to your question. Butter, now, since we were with Don King, Bob uh, Butterbean was Bob Arum's boy. So uh, 
And we we had by by that time our contract with Don King expired and and we were you know freelance able to do what we wanted. But there was still jealousy there. And um, you know, because Don King and Bob Aram have never liked each other. Mm-hmm. And so, but anyways, Butterbean could have bust the grape, could have punched, never had me on the canvas, um, no standing acorn, nothing. So you tell me, go watch that fight a couple times on YouTube. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. It, it, watching that one, because I did watch it a few times, um, it, there was no technical ability there from, from his side. That's for sure. Now, one thing I will give Butterbean credit for, <clears throat> when he fought, he fought between 340 and 360 pounds. For me, he got in shape, and he weighed 311. Wow. So I'll give him credit there, but again, couldn't punch. Mm-hmm. Just swinging. Couldn't. Mm-hmm. That's true. Well, um, a second question for you um, from uh, my friend Andrew. Uh, what is your opinion on the sport now and the heavyweight division that they have? Well, I, you know, I, I, I still watch fights today and um, I love Deontay Wilder. I thought I thought the first fight with with um, with uh, Fury. Yep, um, Tyson Fury. Yep. You got agreed with the draw, but I had to think back, and when before they announced the decision, I was watching with my best friend Dan Dan from New York and my wife. And and I said I said to them it's gonna be a draw. And they're like, you kidding me? <laughs> they were like, well, everybody thought Wilder would win because Wilder had Fury on the canvas twice. Now I said, no, it's gonna be a draw. Sure enough, I was right. But why did I know that? Or why did I predict that? Now going back back to 1989, I fought an amateur fight um, in Boston. At, at what is now known, it's right behind Fenway Park, the Red Sox, and and it was at a club that's now known as the House of Blues. And I, what they would do is they had a live amateur card with 10 fights and and then uh, they would show the Leonard Hearns the rematch they called it the war um, and that was that was um, June of 89 so that fight every said Hearns won the fight Hearns won the fight Hearns had Sugar Ray Leonard down twice, and they called that one a draw. 
And Bill, I, I thought back to that and you know, people could have believed, believed what I said it, but I, that was my, my feelings. Um, mm -hmm. Now, what people do not understand about the rematch is whether it was done on purpose or was done by mistake is not the point. But I was watching with two friends of mine, two guys that, that know nothing about boxing. And or compared to me, they know nothing. Mm -hmm. And um, I saw something on Wilder's face. I said, it's only a matter of, a matter of time, Fight the fight's over. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, there was blood in his beard that had come out, but I mean like up, going up towards his ear when the blood was coming out of his ear. Oh, wow. And this is what I say, whether it was done by, uh, by mistake or on purpose, which is not the point, but his eardrum was blown out. Like when you're, when, 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 when you're, when your ear bleeds like that in the like right in the middle of the fight, that means your eardrum's blown out. Now, it happened to me twice as far as mine got perforated, mm -hmm. little little holes in your eardrum. It happened to me twice, early in my career, and then after twice later in my career. And even that was a pain. Like they call it, it's per, you know, and I had, you know, we have mass eye and ear here in Boston. It's one of the best facilities, you know. Boston area is known for its medical community. So I went there for the first one. And um, you know, I had to wait, you know, a little while for it to heal and then you know, and then again, what happened the second time? Again, I had, it had to heal. But the difference was mine was not blown out. Mine was not bleeding. Right. So, and that's why it's been so hard to get the rematch in order, why it took so long. Because when your eardrum is blown out, it needs to be surgically repaired. No, that makes that makes sense. Yes, that makes a so, lot of sense. Yep. So, you know, here we are, and now, uh, unfortunately, the fight was supposed to happen a couple of weeks ago in July, but in this day and age of COVID, COVID pandemic worldwide, you know, problem, um, you know, you can't not say, oh, well, they're lying, because uh, it is incredibly possible that, you know, not so much Fury, but his people, his trainer, his farm partners, whoever, people around him got it. Who knows? Maybe Fury got it. I don't know, but 
I could understand why, you know, now, but hey, it's put off, put off down the road. Uh, I think now it's scheduled for uh, late October. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll all be anticipating that one. Now, last question that I have for you. Uh, it's something that I watched on your YouTube channel, um, but I want to get a little bit more out of it. Mike Tyson, you had a video of Mike Tyson had some very nice things to say about you in an interview he did. Um, how is your relationship with Van and our boxers' friends outside of the ring? All right, you know what? Now, now when the bell rings, when the bell rings, you go to war. When the bell rings, you go to war. But mm -hmm. over so like true sportsmen. Thank you. Great. Congratulations. Good luck. You know. Mm -hmm. Um. You know what? Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson came to Boston in September of 1998, and um, you know, a friend of a friend. I'm sorry. Zach's was a real good friend of mine. He was a limousine driver. And it wound up he was he was driving Tyson around. <laughs> so um, next thing I know, Mike Tyson was on my voicemail and wanted to see me. And um, mm -hmm. originally it was we were supposed to go out to eat dinner and then uh, go to um, you know, go to a local uh, club, and I had a fight coming up, and I was perfectly fine with, which I did a few times where I'd go out and I'd drink Coca Cola, or Pepsi, or ice water, and mm -hmm. uh, so you know, I was ready to go, but some things happened, and. You know, Mike. Mike has his own life, married, kids. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Hey, hey, uh, so, but he sent the limousine to pick me up. Limousine took me to his hotel room. Hotel was in a Harvard Square, what they call Cambridge, which is basically in Boston. Um and. I had Mike had me up to his hotel room, just me and him in his hotel room. And we hung out for about 40 minutes, 45 minutes. And uh, you know what? He, he did not have to do that. He did not have to leave a voicemail on my, on my answering machine. He did not have to you know, have the limousine driver come get me. He did not have to have, have to have me up in his room, no. But that's a true sportsman. When the fight's over, you know, we're all friends. Um, I, I, the toughest fight of my career, the toughest fight of my career, was in Sarasota, Florida, versus. Butch Kelly. And Butch was mismanaged, had a you know, didn't have a great record, but he was a sparring partner for Axel Schultz. 
was a firefighter for James Tony, um, Bruce Selden. I mean, this guy had been in with the best, it was fine. Mm-hmm. And now he had been in a training camp with former uh, belt heavyweight champion Axel Schultz. He was firing with him for like weeks or a month. And so when I when I fought him, he was in the he was probably in the best shape of his life. And I was in great shape. But I had a we had a fight in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We flew all the way out there, trained light for a couple of days. The, the night before the fight, the pro, whole fight promotion got kids. So we flew home, stayed home for a day, and then Vinny calls us and says, hey, we're going to Florida. Why? What's up? We're going to Sarasota, Florida for a fight. So I was in great shape, but I was, I was a little uh, road weary, you know? Mm-hmm. Jet, jet lagged, uh, road weary, you know, gone to water, train light down there. So, you know, that's the fight game. People do not understand what goes on in the fight game. And so <clears throat> I knocked him down once in the second or the third round. And, um, and thank God I did because that that it was a, it was a tight decision. After eight rounds, uh, the the knockdown got me the win. Hmm. That's the thing was, good thing was Butch was not a big puncher. <laughs> <laughs> now I love all your stories. That the was I, the reason I brought that up is. Butch was from Baltimore, Maryland, but he was living in um, he was living in in Burlington, Vermont, and he came down and hung out with me a couple times. Great guy, great guy. So you guys would all sometimes interact in between my fights. Well, both of our careers were over yeah. at this point. Um, Here's another one for you. In early 07, and Mike Tyson's career now was over, but, but it was early 07, and Mike, somebody gave Mike Tyson my phone number, the phone number that we're talking on today. And and Mike called me up, and we, you know, he left a voicemail on my machine. Uh, here we are, 26 years later, and I'm still getting prank phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> but but I knew when I heard the voicemail, I knew that that was Mike, and I called him back. And we talked, we talked here and there for three months. And, and it didn't matter if I called him or he called me. 
every time, every time, before anything was said, Peter, how's your father? Mm -hmm. That's because my father fought Floyd Patterson for the heavyweight championship of the world. And my father fought light heavyweight champion Jose Torres in a heavyweight bout. And both of them were man trained and managed by Costamato. And one thing, one thing about Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson knows his boxing history. And he, you know, he respects it. So that's why he respected my father. Peter, how's your father? Every time. That, that is tremendous. And that he, he has, uh, he's not only a good fighter, but he, you're right, he does know his history. That's tremendous. That, that tells you a lot about uh, someone's personality, especially someone uh, like him. So, Peter. Exactly. Peter, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all that history with me and with my listeners. And I really want to say thank you. I would just like to say thank you to you, but I would also say like to say hello and thank you to all my fans out there. Now, Peter, where, where is your, you mentioned Instagram and Facebook. Okay, where can uh, everybody follow you? Uh, besides that, is that main uh, social media, Instagram? Yeah, uh, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Perfect. My, um, you... You got me on Instagram, so you the all little letters, Peter Dot McNeely. <laughs> we'll definitely link you up from that uh, with this episode so everybody can go. And everywhere you find this show, you'll be able to find uh, Hurricane Peter McNeely tagged with this episode so you guys can go and follow and check out everything you can. So, again, Peter, thank you so much, sir. <laughs>